Hello and welcome back to the Science Journal podcast. Today we'll be talking about cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies are all the rage these days, but we know precious little about where they came from, where they're going, and how they're changing our world today. To answer these questions together with me, I'm joined by my friend Russell Adzedzu. Russell, how are you? I'm good, Shahir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So we wanted to create an episode on NFTs, but we realized that you know you really need to lo- know a lot about cryptocurrencies, and um, it's important that you have an introduction to the global landscape at this point in time. Otherwise, you won't really understand NFTs. So we thought, hey, let's have an episode about cryptocurrencies, and then we can move on to NFTs. So Russell, tell me, when did you first hear about cryptocurrencies? Well, I had heard cryptocurrency in the media for about a couple of years, but I believe last year was when I made my first foray into oil. Because I think during the latter part of the year, Elon Musk made, uh, he kept repeating tweets about it. So I decided to delve deeper into what it was, and I realized it was some sort of digital currency, and that several countries had adopted it into their trade markets. So yeah, I believe that's all I know about it. And it seems like some sort of phenomenon now. Yeah. So in my case, Russell, I first heard about uh, cryptocurrencies in, in, in 2017, I believe. My uncle bought some. Uh, they were called Lion Coins. Uh, he lives in Dubai. And uh, I was very curious. And because it's, you don't do that, right? You don't go out and buy cryptocurrencies. Like It's, it's like going out and buying GameStop shares. Yeah. But it was a good investment. I mean, you know, he's had them for five years now. So uh, he must have turned out a very nice profit off them. But anyways... Uh, let's begin with the story of cryptocurrency, right? So, Russian cryptocurrencies uh, start with Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin was invented in 2009, right? It was right uh, at the heels of the 2008 financial meltdown. Yeah. And so you can see that there's a lot of, um, you know, mistrust of government centralized institution. That's when cryptocurrencies emerged. That's when Bitcoin emerged. Um, and the very important development in the history of cryptocurrencies, um, the central development, is the Satoshi Nakamoto paper of 2008. So cryptocurrencies have an issue. They had an issue which is called the double spend problem. And this Satoshi Nakamoto paper, it resolved the double spend problem. I'll tell you what it is in a bit. Um, But Russell, just like, you know, the entire mysterious and, uh, you know, vibe of cryptocurrencies, we don't really know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. Yeah. So we don't know who he is. Uh, lots of people over the years have claimed to be Satoshi Nakamoto, but uh, we at this point in time uh, have no idea who he is. It is uh, it is thought that you know it's a pseudonym that lots of people came together and they used the pseudonym of this of this. Wow, where was the paper discovered? Well, uh, so the paper was written, right? It was like a research paper. Okay. And it was written in um, 2008, in 2008, and then in 2009, Bitcoin emerged as the first cryptocurrency. And you know, Bitcoin is still out there, right? Going strong since 2009, the most popular cryptocurrency to this day. But there are altcoin as well. There are coins like Ether. It's a very stable coin based on the Ethereum blockchain. Then you have Ripple, you have Litecoin. All of them have their own niches. And there's another very special coin. It's called Dogecoin. Have you heard about it? Yeah, I have. It was, uh, I think Elon Musk made a few jokes about it. You are correct. You yeah. are correct. So Dogecoin basically started out as a meme, right? Yeah. It was a meme of a dog and Elon Musk sort of adapted it. He tweeted about it and it became a legit cryptocurrency with value and it's still going strong. That's impact. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, 
but definitely um dogecoin is a very very interesting discussion in 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 modern popular culture and um you know the the, the impact that journalism has on popular discourse and the impact that personalities like elon musk right meme lords have on on the discourse yeah so anyway uh, russell i was telling you about the double spend problem right any idea what it is no idea <laughs> yeah so now cryptocurrencies are not physical right Right. If I have five reals and I give them to you, now you have possession of those reals, right? Yeah. I don't have them anymore. You do, but cryptocurrencies are not like that, right? They're digital. There is no, there's no physical exchange. So the problem can be that I can give you. Maybe I have five reals, and then I give you five reals, and I give Jasim five reals as well. So that could be a problem, right? Because that means I'm using the same five reals to do transactions worth ten reals. that's a double spend problem that you can duplicate cryptocurrencies with no consequence and this paper resolved it um the satoshi nakamoto paper resolved it by suggesting a blockchain right yeah so a blockchain it's a very popular word i remember when i was in um high school i watched a ted talk about blockchains and it talked about how a blockchain will you know it will transform the way that production is carried out the way that we consider information the way that um you know supply chains are created and i did not understand much about it so let me tell you a bit about blockchains yeah so blockchain is a technology that enables cryptocurrencies to work right it stores and facilitates transaction information made with digital currency how it does that is that in a blockchain environment a copy of the blockchain database resides in all the devices in the blockchain right so for example rasuli you and i have bitcoin right we're bitcoin owners now both of us will have a transaction history a database of our bitcoin in our computers so essentially i know your history as well right i know the way you, the bitcoin you have the bitcoin you sold the bitcoin you bought and so essentially you and i cannot cheat each other out because we know the entire transaction history of our cryptocurrencies right um and so a blockchain is um it's very in that way it is very transparent right because you cannot cheat anyone out there's no double spend problem and a blockchain is also very secure it has two types of keys right there's a public key and then there's a private key uh the public key uh, acts as an address to send money so i will send you an uh, your send you bitcoin on your public address and the private key is only accessible to the user themselves right so you have your own private key and i have my private key and you can only use the 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 private key to access the payment right this is called cryptography this way right yeah that seems really advanced uh one problem many people have with traditional banks is the speed at which money is transferred and i was waiting for you to address that so does the blockchain um affect speed it's a very good and very important question the speed of banking right um basically the way that a transaction is carried out in a blockchain right in a bank it goes to a central institution right so for example if you're banking with you know qatar national bank it goes to qatar national bank the money goes to qatar national bank and then it goes to the recipient in a blockchain is different right in a blockchain um money is transferred cryptocurrencies are transferred through a process called mining Right. So these are buzzwords, right? We hear them a lot. We hear blockchain a lot. We hear mining a lot. We don't, but we hear maybe you heard about a double spend problem. Yeah. But sometimes we don't know the meaning behind them, right? So mining, uh, what happens is that in mining, that 
you know, you make a transaction with your Bitcoin, right? So I want to send you one Bitcoin. Now, my transaction goes to a miner, right? A miner is a person who has a very advanced computer. Maybe they have a whole, uh, you know, mining rig with them. And so my transaction goes to them, right? So my transaction goes to them and they validate if uh, I have the Bitcoin using the blockchain, okay? And then they use the information at transaction request. So for example, the information that I have uh, sent, right, for the request that I have sent, they use that information to solve a complex mathematical problem. Okay. All right? And now this is where computing power becomes very important, right? Um, I sent out uh, my information, right? I sent out uh, a transaction request. I sent out an information request. And then it, it is broadcasted to all the miners. And the miner that is able to solve my mathematical problem, right? Basically, the information from your, the information from your um, transaction, it is juxtaposed, it is transposed into a complex mathematical problem. And then the miner that is the quickest to solve that problem, they get a small bit of cryptocurrency. It's, sometimes it's called gas money as well. Okay. So they get gas, right? So in this way, the double spend problem is, is resolved and it's called proof of work. Right, this process is called proof of work. Computers go through a trial and error process, and the fastest computer to resolve the mathematical problem, they get they get the cryptocurrency as an incentive. Um, so this is uh, what you were talking about, right? How does the transaction work? This is how the transaction works over here, right? Because rigor is created to every request. Uh, there is a delay in validation of the work. So for example, when I'm sending you money, right, I cannot send it to another person right away because now that money has gone to a miner who is using their computer through trial and error to solve a complex problem, right? Yeah. So essentially at that point in time, I cannot make another transaction because my cryptocurrency is already being assessed at that point. And by the time I make another currency and that currency gets processed, my first currency has already been processed. It has already been stored in my blockchain, right? So there's a delay, but a very important and very essential delay in the processing of the information. That sounds really cool. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, however, Russell, before you pull out your computer and start mining, all right, uh, you'll need to make a very big investment in computing power. For big returns, you need to make big investment. You'll have to invest in GPUs, right? Graphical processing units. You'll have to invest in cooling fans, and you'll need to get multiple computers, multiple processing units. This is how you'll make real money by creating a mining rig. And obviously, your electrical bill will be through the roof if you yeah. want to do this. <laughs> so there are. So you see, Russell, over here, the technical barriers to entry are a bit high, right? Okay. Um, but uh, there are some novel solutions. So for example, you can join a mining pool, you can join a mining pool and you can connect with other people and mine over the internet. So it can be a fun hobby, but you won't be able to uh, make a career out of it, right? Yeah, I mean, yet. There is hope? Yeah. Uh, all right, all right. Um, um, but you know, in spite of all of this, right, in spite of it being, uh, you know, the, the technical barriers being very high, uh, creating a cryptocurrency is super easy. Is it? It is. Like there's an amazing um, segment by Ronnie Chang on YouTube for The Daily Show. Um, it's really funny. It's, it's about cryptocurrencies. And towards the end, uh, Ronnie Chang also creates his own cryptocurrency. It's surprisingly easy. So you can do two things, right? 
you can get the original Bitcoin code from GitHub. All right, you go to GitHub, you copy the code and create your own currency. This is called forking. It's a very uh, common practice in, it's a very common practice in um, the computing world. Uh, however, this requires C++ knowledge, right? So we don't have that knowledge, right? Yeah, we don't. I mean, we're economics <laughs> and journalism students. We, we don't know C++. Yeah. <clears throat> so what you and I can do is we can go to some purpose-built sites, right? Uh, they're less flexible. Um, but they're easier for people like us, right? Without, who are not digitally savvy uh, to that extent, right? I mean, yeah, so, um, you know. Examples of such sites. All right, so Wallet Build. Wallet Build is an example. You can go to Wallet Build and you can create your own cryptocurrency over there. Uh, you can go to Crypto Life. You can create a cryptocurrency on Crypto Life. Or you can go to Waves. So these are all examples of sites where you can go and you can create your own cryptocurrency. It's surprisingly easy. It will cost a little bit of uh, down payment. You will have to make a small investment. Uh, but Russell, making a cryptocurrency is is super easy. That's why you have lots of altcoins, right? So everything other than a Bitcoin is called an altcoin, right? An alternate coin. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Ethereum, right? Ethereum, uh, which operates within the Ethereum virtual machine blockchain. It is an altcoin, right? Uh, it's very stable, very integrated. Then you have Litecoin, right? So you're telling me, you're asking me about, you know, transaction time and everything. Yeah. So Litecoin is almost four times as fast as Bitcoin. So their their processing power. So for example, uh, so for so, so it's easier. So it's quicker, right? It's quicker to conduct transactions in Litecoin. And then you have Dogecoin, right? Which is a, a slap on the face of the establishment. <laughs> yeah. So we have Ripple, we have Ethereum, we have Litecoin, we have Dogecoin. So let me ask you, Russell, what cryptocurrency would you like to buy? Uh, based on everything you've said today and everything I knew before seeing you today, I think Bitcoin is the most popular form of cryptocurrency and the most, is it the most valuable? It is, it is. Yeah, so that would be an easy choice, of course. What about you? Uh, yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll buy some Dogecoin. Really? Just just for the fun of it. Or maybe like my uncle, I go the line coins, uh, yeah. line coins route. So, yeah, it's still up for debate, Russell. But you and I can create our own cryptocurrency, right? It's cheaper. It's easier. Uh, one Bitcoin at this point in time, Russell, it is almost $40,000 more than that. Uh, oh. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know how it is. So, we can maybe make our own cryptocurrency. Um, and... But we need to keep in mind that there are risks associated with it, right? Making it is easy, right? You go to wallet build and you get your cryptocurrency. But maintaining and sustaining it is very hard, right? Um, you need to get merchants to adopt it, right? People to accept cryptocurrencies as payment. So, for example, Tesla accepts Bitcoin as payment for its cars. Cool. So that's the tricky part, right? You'll, get pe you'll need people to adopt your cryptocurrency, and that's where the, the problem comes in. Um, and also making it exchangeable, right? Making it exchangeable. Getting your cryptocurrency to be exchangeable with Bitcoin or Ethereum. You know, that's the that's the ultimate jackpot right there. Do you have an idea of what we're going to call it? Pardon? Do you have an idea of what we're going to call our cryptocurrency? I don't know. That's a really, <laughs> really good question. Let's think about it. Uh... I don't know. So I'm biased. <laughs> Maybe I'll just call it, you know, Hoya Saxa or something. Wow, I guess. <laughs> you know, that's that's the GUQ student in me. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Well, in the vein, I'd call mine Walcott. Walcott, <laughs> all right. Yeah. 
So now what we need to do is we need to you know get some funding, you know, set up our own cryptocurrencies and um, you know <laughs> uh, make some money out of it. Cool. Um, but yeah, you know, in spite of all of this, right? You could, it's difficult to adopt them. It's difficult to get them integrated. It's difficult for merchants to adopt them. It's difficult to uh, make them exchangeable for Bitcoin. Um, they provide novel solutions, right? They're new. They're fresh. And so in, in spirit of all of this, there's one niche that they have found, which is in the form of initial coin offerings. So, you know, startups have a problem in raising money, right? When you're a startup, you have a problem raising money. You have an idea and that's yeah, all you definitely. have. So if you're lucky, you know, maybe you have family who will pitch in. Maybe you'll use your own savings, right? And if you're lucky, you'll get an investor. Uh, have you heard about Shark Tank India? I actually have, but I've not had a chance to see it yet. Is it good? It's very good. It's very fun. So basically, um, you know, p people come in with their products and inventions, and they come and they try to get uh, some uh, money in return for equity, right? So they give a percent of their of the company to the sharks, right? The judges, and in return, the judges give them money. But it's a bit exploitative, right? Yeah, I can see how. Really? Yeah, I mean, like you know, people come in and they're like, okay, I I want. 10 lakhs for 2% of of my company. And they say, oh, the judge says, all right, I'll give you 10 lakhs, but I'll I'll take 20% of your company. So you see, in that way, it's it's a bit difficult for startups to raise money for their, for their uh, inventions and yeah. products. So a novel solution to this is uh, an initial coin offering. So with an in initial coin offering, an investor is not buying a part of a company. They're not getting equity in your company but they're buying a cryptocurrency and relying on its value to appreciate, right? So in 2017, there were 50 new initial coin offerings, 50 initial coin offerings. So instead of like giving investors a stake in your company, you give them a cryptocurrency, you allow them to buy a cryptocurrency. And um, th that's how you get money for your startup. But they're risky, right? Yeah. ICOs are risky. They're pre-product. They're in still the idea stage. Uh, and also, there are some countries which do not favor ICOs. So China and South Korea have banned uh, uh, have banned ICOs altogether. The American Securities and Exchange Commission, they do not offer any uh, oversight at this point, but they are open to the idea. They are open to the idea of um, having ICOs, and they want to play a supportive role in regulating them. So like we're here in Qatar, right? So cryptocurrencies are banned in Qatar. It's been like this way since five years or so. So you can't have cryptocurrencies in Qatar. You can't buy or sell cryptocurrencies in Saudi Arabia. You can't buy or sell cryptocurrencies in Egypt. In China, cryptocurrencies are banned. So in this way, th the vast majority of countries are still doubtful about cryptocurrencies because they circumvent central institutions, right? Um, so I believe at this point in time, um, you know, ICOs are still, um, they're still an open question, but uh, there's something called a hobby test. They are to test the uh, test the viability of initial coin offerings. Okay. So the first thing you need to ask yourself is, will the currency make money? Okay. So you need to ask yourself that. You need to figure it out. Will this currency make money? Does it have market value? And the second question you need to ask yourself is, is the management of the company, the startup that that floated the cryptocurrency, are they working for the value of the currency to appreciate? Hmm. So. You, you can see there's a lot going on over here, right? Yeah. Cryptocurrencies are, are here to stay. Uh, but where does that leave us? Governments are struggling to gauge the outcome, right? Some countries have banned them, like we discussed. However, other countries like, like Turkey, Sweden, 
Israel, Ecuador, they're actually thinking of nationalized cryptocurrencies. And the other day I was hearing the uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer in the United Kingdom, Rishi Sunak, talk. And he also floated the idea of having a digital cryptocurrency as the national currency instead of the pound. So the world is still very divided yeah. on, on cryptocurrency. Um, and you know, cryptocurrencies were supposed to make access to finance more equitable, right? With new forms of decentralized money. But it has failed to do that. There is a small number of people and they hold the vast majority of cryptocurrency stakes. Um, because the entry, the technical entry barriers are high. Okay. So that is the story of cryptocurrencies, Russell. Um, what do you think about the future of cryptocurrencies? Hmm, good question. Uh, if history has taught us anything is that technology cannot be predicted, the most relevant technologies of our time, such as AI and I guess Wi-Fi, were not foreseen by predictors or technological experts in the past. And at the moment, I would say that any trend that seems obvious may change due to uh, economy, uh, the economical um, factors or I guess sociological factors. A book I read in Dr. Anto's class last semester called Technology Matters by David Nye talked about how um, devices such as the phonograph and the telegraph mm -hmm. were initially uh, misunderstood, like they were seen as curiosities. Mm -hmm. And I think cryptocurrencies are in, the, in, are in that limbo right now because people are really curious about it more than actually using it. So I don't think we'll see the full impact of it until perhaps 30 years where there's a new generation and maybe people are less wary of it. What about you? What do you think is the future of crypto? Well, in my opinion, they're here to stay um, after everything that's happened. And if you see that, then there's a trend going on, right? So we had cryptocurrencies and now we have NFTs. So maybe cryptocurrencies may not exist in the form that they are today, but the idea of virtual currency, of the blockchain being important, of the ideas of cryptocurrencies that we have got, right? So the blockchain, um, mining, NFTs, I think all of these components will be here to stay. Maybe cryptocurrencies will not replace the current financial system. Maybe we'll still have national currencies. Maybe they will still be outliers. Cryptocurrency will still be outliers in society that maybe there'll still be a small number of people who invest their time and energies into it. But I very much believe that cryptocurrencies and at least the technology, the ideas behind cryptocurrencies, they are here to stay. Anyways, Russell, uh, you know, you're a media student, so I wanted to ask you a question. Um, uh, what do you think about the journalistic coverage of cryptocurrencies? Like, how do you think they've been covered in popular media by mainstream and maybe not so mainstream institutions? Uh, so I mentioned last year, I when I stumbled upon Elon Musk's tweets, I went on a rabbit hole on uh, cryptocurrencies. And what I noticed were most of the headlines were quite sensational, uh, sensationalist. And I... Like, looking back at it now, I thought it was sensationalist and didn't really dive into the facts and figures about cryptocurrencies. So I think that's a problem that needs to be worked upon. Also, I feel since it's a relatively new market, there are not a lot, there are not a lot of experts. And so journalists are not really acquainted or familiar with the material. So in the future, as cryptocurrency blossoms, I feel the journalism reporting would also get better. Yeah, definitely. And uh, in a previous episode, uh, we had Professor Anne Nguyen over here. 
And Ferson Nguyen, he talked about how, in especially in the in the developing world, uh, they have a sort of cheerleader role. Journalists sort of play a cheerleader role to cryptocurrencies. They don't really understand science that much, but they're very infatuated with it. So I think that's very relevant to cryptocurrencies as well. People in the developing world, they maybe not because you know in lots of countries, right? They're banned, right? You're not exchanging cryptocurrencies, but you're infatuated with the idea of cryptocurrencies. So in-depth journalism, right? Journalism that talks about the impact of cryptocurrencies on people, institutions, organizations, uh, it is maybe lacking at least in the yeah. developing world. Well, we are done. We covered a lot today. We sure did. Um, and we'll be back very soon, won't we, with an episode on NFTs? Yeah, and very exciting. Definitely. And if we're lucky, we'll even create our own NFT and <laughs> you know dip our toes into this massive, massive pool of opportunity and mystery and excitement. And that is all for today, folks. Thank you for listening to the Science Journal podcast. Don't forget to visit our website, sciencejournalqa.com, and follow us on Instagram at sciencejournal.qa. This episode of Science Journal was produced by Professor Antil Mosin and his research assistants Shahir Laikat, Russell Ajedu, and Elisa Meffler. It was edited by Shahir Laikat, graphics and artwork by Shahir Laikat and Ahmed Jassim. <laughs>